This video is brought to you by ModFind. ModFind is an automotive marketplace for like-minded enthusiasts to buy and sell parts, as well as share listings for cash. But what separates ModFind from other marketplace platforms is the fact that it's catered to car enthusiasts, so you're buying from and selling to like-minded car nuts and not randos on Facebook Marketplace. So if you're looking to either buy or sell parts of any kind, engine parts, wheels, brakes, check out ModFind. This way, you can join the growing community of enthusiasts in your area. Hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 62 and uh, today we have Joe Achilles and uh, we're going to talk about some interesting things. Uh, you know, he's got a new M3 on the way. He is currently driving a, a AC Schnitzer tuned Z4 and uh, we'll talk about the M240i and some, you know, new electric cars. So, hi Joe, thanks for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Hope you're well guys. Uh, it's great to be back on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for making the time. Always, uh, always appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. I mean, I feel like we have so many uh, good topics usually. So uh, it's fun yeah. having you back. It's not like we're lacking guests. It just it's nice having you. <laughs> yeah. Also, oh, good to hear. <laughs> you, you might be our. Ha, have we had you on more than anyone else? Actually, this is, this is your third time, I think, and I think that's more than anyone else. Probably. Yeah. I think we had anyone three times. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's your our longest running. Uh, cool. You're part of guest. the team now, Joe yeah oh that's that's an honor <laughs> thank you very much i appreciate it all right. all right so the first thing i wanted to ask you about because this is something i find really interesting is your so you had a bmw m3 competition you were actually one of like the first um i don't want to say youtubers but like one of the first um you know meet automotive media uh, people to buy one and uh, now you're trading it in for another m3 so tell us a little about that yeah so um without sounding like a typical youtuber that trades their cars in every two months and right. uh, appears to buy a new car every couple of months uh there's two reasons really uh we'll go into depth about both of them but quickly the first one is i spent a week with a m3 um g80 x drive press car and uh, absolutely loved it and couldn't see that there was any negatives only positives over the rear wheel drive Right. That's coming from someone who is a born and bred. I've got rear wheel drive in my blood, but you know, you can still obviously decouple the front axle, etc. There was that reason. Uh, but the other reason that really swayed me uh, is something that I think the whole world is sort of um, uh, uh, going through at the moment is the used market has gone a little bit crazy yeah. because of the new the shortage of new cars. And so although my M3 is nearly 10 months old, and nearly 10,000 miles in it, which is usually the period of time that something like an M3 would lose so much money out of the forecourt. Um, it hasn't lost anything, essentially. Uh, so I can chop that in because it's finance. I can trade that in and jump straight into an X drive for next to nothing. Uh, so yeah, for me, the fact that it's a better car, it's good content for the channel. It's going to be a different spec um it's all kind of a no-brainer if that makes right. sense yeah it's nice to have that financially work out well too you know it's not just like uh you're just doing it for the clicks but it, it really is kind of a smart thing to do you're actually getting a car that'll probably be better for you in the long run and it's financially kind of smart that's pretty cool yeah uh, joe let me ask you this uh before we jump into the um, you know the m3x drive and what you like about the car um are the used car prices really crazy in the uk market too because in the us we see insane prices right now and we're talking like you know 1m cars being sold for over 100k we see uh you know e92 m3s reaching 90k or i've seen m2 competitions you know from 
2019 or or even a little bit older selling for more than the sticker price when it was new. So I don't know what's going on, you know, there, but here it's absolutely crazy. You can make a lot of money today on any used car. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's exactly the same here. Uh, I, I speak to friends in Australia, um, Spain, Germany. I think it's really happening everywhere. Um, we've all, you know, we all have so many used cars that are always sitting somewhere on the marketplace. Um, and I think we're normally spoiled for choice, and especially here in the UK, we have this obsession with buying new cars every two or three years uh, or financing new cars. So we always end up with loads, like tens of thousands of used uh, or nearly new cars. And as a result, their residuals just go down. But I think because there's no new cars or the new car supply has been really bad over the past, let's say, nine to 12 months, um, suddenly the used car market is flourished. And uh, I know, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting it's an interesting time. It's 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 calming down a bit now. I think if we go back to September, October last year, it was insane. As you say, like prices of everything were just yeah. M2 competitions. I was offered by, um, let's say, a company like We Buy Any Car, who are like a they, they basically offer you a price online for your car. You just put in your registration, and you do it all the time just to get an idea of how your car value is going. And I picked up my M2 competition in March last year. I bought it off the finance company. And by about September, it had, it had gone up about 15,000 pounds. And we're talking about a car that's valued at 50 grand. So that's a massive, yeah, you know, what's that, 30% yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that short time, and that was through a, a company that would normally un, like, undercut, you know, wouldn't give you a very good price for your car. So I could probably... Uh, but that's settled down now um, a little bit. But but prices, as you say, for 1M to at their all-time highest, uh, um, E92s are starting to go up. I was actually looking at E92s last night um, because they're still reasonably priced and they are the next M3 to go up. Mm-hmm. They have to be because, um, but there's lots, there's still lots on the internet. So I think prices are still being kept down, yeah. but sooner or later they, they'll start going up because... Uh, I don't know if you're like me. I, I, I appreciate an E92 more and more now yeah. when I see one than I yeah, did when they were new. Sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah that, that's really interesting. It's actually interesting you said the M2, uh, the value has jumped up as well. Um, it, it's just, it, it's crazy how so many people are, typically cars are not good investments. You know, they're really usually bad investments. But, you know, right now it's the opposite. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Um so just to jump back to the M3. So you said you you test drove the M3 X Drive. We actually did as well, and we felt the exact same way that there are, it's all the upsides of all wheel drive, right? You have the added grip, you have the added power, you have uh, the stability in bad weather, but none of the downsides. Like it doesn't feel typically all wheel in all wheel drive. It doesn't understeer at all. <laughs> you know the front end is every bit as yeah. precise as the rear drive car, and then like you said, you could decouple the axle. So. I actually thought that it was um, it doesn't even make sense to get the, the rear wheel drive car anymore because it's just that good. Did you feel the same way? Did you feel like it just it's the better car or is it, it was it more of a product of like, you know, I can do this because of the finances and, you know, it will help. Or was it like this is the better car? It was actually the other way around. Uh, after I'd driven it, I immediately spoke to Tony and it was like, mate, where do I stand with mine? Like how much is it going to cost me to get into the car? So it was, it was the fact that the car was better. And we're talking 
you know, small areas, although when I had it towards the end of last year, it was out, you know, it was pretty slimy and wintry outside. So you could say ideal X-Drive conditions. Right. And it really did uh, sort of, yeah, o- overshadow my car in that sense. But I just think, as you said, it, I was expecting to get into it. And I know it's 50 odd kilos heavier. So I thought, okay, maybe feel a bit heavier. But what I was most concerned about was that the the rear wheel drive car doesn't have the best steering feel in the world, but it's okay. And I thought the X drive, that's tiny bit of feel is going to be gone because of the, you know, the, the front drive shafts and stuff. But actually it felt exactly the same jumping back to back. Um, and then you factor in all the extra grip. And as you say, the massively rear bias MX drive, um, anyone that says that that's not a true M car, I mean, they haven't, it's like when the M5, F90 M5 came out and people were uproar about, oh my God, you know, it should be rear wheel drive. It's like, no, no, drive one, <laughs> drive one, then come and tell me that because that, that, you know, that system is amazing. Even in normal four wheel drive, four wheel drive sport, even more real bias. And then obviously then you decouple the front axle altogether. And I've had a few people that said, yeah, but if you decouple the front axle and the M3, um, you then apparently can't play with the traction control. But if you're going to decouple the front axle in an X-Drive car, you're only doing it for one reason, that's to do big skids. So you don't need traction control. So I don't understand that argument. Um, And then the price, if you're looking at the retail price in this country, it's about two and a half grand or three grand between the rear wheel drive and the X-Drive. Yeah, the and when you finance the cars, yeah, and you get better residuals on the on the X-Drive. So actually, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing if you were to spec both cars up, they'd cost basically the same every in terms of monthlies. Um, and it's kind of a no-brainer to me. So I reckon they'll phase the rear wheel drive version out by, I reckon, summertime over here. Um, sad to say that, but at the same time, it's like I, I personally can't see why what's the point um that there is no point in having it especially if it doesn't sell then get rid of it right yeah yeah and i think the weight difference you mentioned that i don't think it's that significant considering how heavy the m3 and m4 already is so i mean if you're talking about like an older car i mean that might sound like a lot of kilos but for the new cars it's really negligible i don't think like unless you're a pro driver and you go like on a track and you're trying to get the best times, I don't think you'll notice that. And I had a chance to actually drive both back to back on the on the track too, and then with some pro drivers, um, Bill Oberlin and John Edwards, and they said the same thing. Normal people will not be able to tell the difference. And actually, even on track, they were they were raving about how much more fun it is to drive the X drive because you got all these extra grip and you can really coordinate and you can do all the crazy stuff that you know you might not be able to do with the rear wheel drive being so heavy too. So. Even them, they actually loved it. And we did a drag race in between the two. And, I mean, clearly the X-Drive, yes. you know, was, was by a car length, if not more, actually faster. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's insane off the line, isn't yeah. it? That, that first sort of up 0 to 30 miles an hour is just, it's so fast, that Well, car. it starts in first um, gear, too, right? Because the rear-wheel drive car starts mm-hmm. in second on the launch, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is out. true. Yeah. I think we did a, a rollout to see if the if the X drive will be uh, kind of cancelled out by the you know um, by the rollout, but you know after uh, about to say you know ten twenty yards, the X drive just kicked in and had so much more grip. Yeah. So yeah, it's insane. Um, so that that's pretty. So not only did you do that though, but you went for a really different spec because your M three competition, the regular rear wheel drive one, was a really interesting color spec. You know, the Portimao blue, the, the yeah, was it the Kyla the Kailami orange? 
you had interior. Exactly. Right. So that was a really, yeah, yeah. really good looking spec. Um, so you yeah. went different on this one though. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So, I mean, that was a bit of a stab in the dark, the, the Portimao blue and Carlisle orange. Um, and obviously I knew Portimao blue from regular three series. Right. Uh, and I'd seen the Kailami orange leather somewhere. I can't remember in the studio or something. And I thought I want to go a bit there. And I think orange and blue go together, pick that up. Super happy with it. Like genuinely when I saw it for the first time, I was like, yeah, this is cool. Um, it got massive, really positive feedback online as well. And, uh, I was just really glad that I went down that route. Um, quick, funny story about that actually. And I'm not going to say who said it cause it might get them in trouble, but someone at BMW UK press <laughs> press team, um, uh, basically told me a few months ago that top gear asked or trying to get hold of a long-term off BMW UK, uh, a, an X drive and a rear wheel drive to do some comparisons. Uh, and when they offered them a Portimao blue car, whoever it was, I don't know who it was at Top Gear, but they basically turned around and said, no, we don't want a Joe Achilles spec M3. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was nice. like, oh, that's, I've, I've made yeah, it right? if someone at Top Gear, yeah, if my car is that, you know, that, that co covered, then, uh, then yeah, so that was pretty cool. It's made me quite happy. That is, that's um, awesome. But yeah, yeah, I had a bit of a snigger. Um, but in terms of, yeah, changing specs, so, Obviously, I think I, I kind of said it in my specking video in the sense that if it was a private car and I wasn't on the internet, then I probably would consider going down the same spec because actually my other half loves the Portmore Blue with Kyle Army and, um, and so I would I would maybe consider doing the same. But obviously, as it's a totally different car, um, if I did go same spec, it would it would it, it wouldn't do well on the channel. Um, so it was more of a channel-based decision that I thought I'd change the spec. But actually, I'm really glad that I have now because when it does arrive, as you know, there's no differences external uh, aesthetically. Right. Is there? There's not an ex yeah. there's, there's nothing like a badge. So it'd be like having exactly the same car. So actually, I've gone for a very, very different. Um, I've gone for Dravet grey and uh, Fiona red interior. Um, and yeah, I think that's going to be. It's going to be different it's going to be cool and um and then obviously it's all working up towards the, when, when i can order my touring so playing around with a couple of different specs um yeah it would give me more of an idea of what to go for with that because that's going to be the keeper um yeah i can't can't wait for that oh, whenever yeah. that will turn up i reckon it's still 12 months away at least <laughs> over here but uh yeah looking forward to that if you get out of the car i'll come down to the uk honestly and uh <laughs> do something together because I've um, I've heard that you know the first allocations for the M3 Turing they're already sold out globally so yeah yeah well, I know quite I mean, a few yeah I think uh, well Tony my sales salesman uh, he took deposits I mean unofficial deposits mm -hmm. but he's been taking deposits on the touring for for a couple of years now, oh. like literally as soon as there was like whispers of it, you know, people sure. can, you can walk into your dealer and say, here's a couple of grand. I think there's going to be a three mm -hmm. uh, M3 touring, please hold an allocation. So yeah, I think it's going to be, um, a pretty, uh, yeah, pr pretty exciting car and, and something that's going to be very popular. Are you even getting them in the States? Nope. Fortunately not. And actually, um, it, it's a question that we get asked all the time. And I, we did write an article actually, um, to kind of explain why, because I've asked uh, Frank Van Meel, the MCO, what's the reason behind that? 
And apparently, yeah. um, to kind of reiterate what we wrote, is the fact that when the 3 Series was launched and the 3 Series touring, um, there was never an intention to bring that car to the U.S. So the body, so the body style or, you know, the chassis was not homologated for uh, U.S., you know, crash right. standards. So basically, that's the reason right. why they can't bring the M3 touring. Um, I think, you know, looking back, I think they kind of wish they did that so they can bring the M3 touring here because it's it's going to be such a good marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, uh, you know, yeah. it's not going to move the needle when it comes to revenue probably, but it's such an amazing marketing tool. It so really that was is, the reason yeah. why yeah, they didn't really say, okay, well, we kind of wish we didn't do that. But I, but I got that feeling that, yeah, I kind of wish we, you know, we could have brought this car here. I did... Um, I did try to pitch them, you know, on, on bringing the car here as a show car, like just bring it, you know, and show it at different uh, BMW events or M gatherings throughout the year because it's still such a good marketing tool regardless if you get a car here and they can still get a lot of free press out of it by just seeing the car. So, um, Or, you know, so, yeah. bring it to just let us drive it on track, of course. You know, not on public roads, of course yeah, not. that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah. think uh, you know, I think it will be quite limited because from what I know, uh, it's got a very short production run compared yeah. to um, the regular sedan and coupe and convertible because it, you know, it comes out next year and I think they're supposed to be phased out by 2026 maybe. So um, it's yeah. not artificially limited. It's really just limited by the by the production schedule really. So I don't think the UK market will probably get that many. I'm assuming in the hundreds, you know, probably. In um, Germany, probably gets the rest, so um, it'll be quite, quite rare. So yeah, it's definitely a keeper for sure. Yeah, if you get one, you can never, ever get rid of it, ever. Exactly. <laughs> no, well, yeah, I, 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 I really want to go um, individual. I'm actually talking to some of the guys at BMW M about nice. which way to go, um, and I think yeah, because of that for reason, sure. I, I, I want to go some form of individual on it and go a little bit crazy, so it's not you know, it's, sure. it's sort of out there a bit. Yeah, no, um, but yeah, you guys are obviously welcome. Yeah, you're welcome to to come over and uh, I know we've been saying that for a while, but obviously, no, yeah, keep, this one is worth it. These are yours. <laughs> yeah, this one is absolutely man, worth it. I'll, I mean, be, I'll book a flight right away, man. Yeah, this M3 one is tour, worth it. first ever. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you can bring as much luggage as you want because you know, perfect, massive boot. I right. can pick you up. Yeah, yeah. easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Exactly, and honestly, you, you you're, you're making the right choice not because it's limited now, but because I think that we will not see an M3 Touring in that configuration ever again, right? I don't think we'll ever see a no. M3 Touring with a pure six-cylinder engine like most of the other M cars. So, just for that fact, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be a really iconic car in ten years from now, if not more. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. So, did you have a question, Horatio? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I also wanted to talk to you about, um, so, in the interim, between your M3 competition and your M3 xDrive, uh, you, are, you have a very, very interesting car that you're daily driving, uh, kind of like on loan from the dealership. Uh, it's, it's one that <laughs> people seem to have completely forgotten about, but really deserves a lot more praise than it's getting. So, explain explain your your kind of interim car for the moment yeah so um i've got a very good relationship with my, with my dealership um and when it when i was talking to tony about chopping my old m3 in uh it made sense that i got it to him earlier rather than later so it didn't take over ten thousand miles for use values etc and he said to me at the time look i'll find something to put you in 
um i'll find it a nice demo that you could roll around the winter for five six weeks in which for me is great because you know easier probably cheaper to run etc uh and then closer to the time he said oh actually i've i've got um i've got a z4 for you a z4 m40i um which actually belonged to uh well belonged to one of his colleagues a guy called david king who unfortunately just passed away just before christmas um so it was his demo david's a good friend of mine uh, it was his demo for, for for a few weeks only um so there's kind of some a sentimental thing there because tony didn't want to put this particular car straight up on the forecourt and sell it right. he wanted it to live on um so so it all kind of tied together and we decided, you know what, it would be good that I run it and do some videos, you know, um, uh, in memory of David and, and enjoy the car. Uh, but what I didn't realize was that the, it's, it's a Z4 M40i underneath, but it's got basically all the AC Schnitzer kit thrown at it. So it has the full coilover suspension kit. Uh, it has their tuning box, uh, which obviously retains the BMW warranty. Uh, and it also has uh, their axle back system, their exhaust, because in the UK, we have the dreaded OPF filters. So they're still in place, uh, but we just get a bit more sound. So it probably brings it up to a similar level to what your stock Z4 M40i sounds like, plus some body kit um, on the car. But um, so it looks slammed. It looks like it would be awful for a UK road because our roads are terrible, especially around where I live. So I was kind of dreading, like, you know, the ride quality and the fact that it might be very limited. But it took me about 200 meters to realize that the suspension, uh, the, the, the suspension setup is unbelievable. The car is a bit low and I'm hitting the, the splitter a little on a few things. But the ride quality is amazing. It sounds brilliant. Um, and and it goes obviously with the tuning kit. We all know the B58. It's so yeah. reserved in many sort of standard outputs um it feels like a rocket ship obviously they've got a limited sip diff as standard that model um and it's really good and i'm not a convertible fanboy i never have been but in a few let's say a few nice wintry days we've had sun out i've literally hat on Mm -hmm. scarf heated seat uh, and i've had some of the best drives i've had it about two and a half weeks now and uh lou and i went out on a couple of weekends ago we went out from like dust till dawn um it's roofed down <laughs> and just had such a good day uh, and and it's just a brilliant car and i think it's just a forgotten i think you know there's none on the uk roads i i know of one in 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 my local area but aside from that i couldn't tell you where any others are yeah. um and i think value wise you know the performance the package the build quality the interior feels more it feels special compared to a three four series you know the dash has got some styling on it and the seats are not everything about it's great it's not the most practical thing in the world but it's a two-seater sports car convertible so what do you expect but um i really i'm really enjoying my time with it i've even been on the internet looking at you like <laughs> 2019 like see mm-hmm. but again the used ones they're holding such good value that yeah a three-year-old one is 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 not much cheaper than a brand new one at the moment so uh so yeah and no, i'm really pleasantly surprised by this uh, z4 i'm really really enjoying it yeah, yeah they're, they're a great car surprisingly so and totally forgotten um it, it, one it's awesome that you're driving something uh you know to kind of honor your friend and and you know get some content out of that and you know kind of show it off a little bit um but it's also funny because uh the first thing you said uh, first thing I thought of when you said that they were going to lend you a Z4 was like, 
great winter vehicle, right? A tiny <laughs> rear-wheel drive convertible sports car. Great winter loner. But it's, um, it is, it's so fun to drive in such a silly, different way than anything else. Like, you know, an M3 or M4 feels very serious, very, you know, very technical, very high performance. But the Z4 M40i, I mean, it's just, it's a little hooligan muscle car thing. It's so light and it's so powerful um, that it just... Yeah it just kind of wants to tear its tires to pieces. And I remember testing one and I felt the same way. I was like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to like this, but I came away, you know, just so impressed. And it's such a underrated little gem of a car that I can only imagine what, what uh, an AC Schnitzer tuned one feels like. So that's an awesome little winter car to beat around in. That's cool. And I think it's a dead horse, but yeah, that's another car that, uh, that's a keeper for sure. I mean, honestly, I think the only reason why they were able to make it is because of the collaboration or the partnership with Toyota. Totally, yeah. And I feel like, you know, if that partnership would have started maybe, you know, two or three years ago, the car would have not happened because it's such a low volume car. But to me, out of the cars that I've been, the older BMW cars that I've been driving the last few years, um, I feel like it's one of the best, if not up there with the M2 competition, honestly, on the M2 CS. But um, it's, it's, it's such a gem. I mean, honestly, it's, a, it's the perfect size. Um, like you said, especially on that M40i, it's so quick. It just feels like a pure BMW, honestly. Even the steering, if I remember, yeah, I drove it somewhere in, in, uh, in Europe. It's really good, actually, compared to anything else. And uh, once again, I think that's going to be like another, you know, classic car in the future. And um, I think last year, or like two years ago when it came out, they weren't really selling. I think you could have picked one up for like, you know, pretty affordable price. And you're right. I don't see too many either. I mean, honestly, in Chicago, especially with the weather, I probably saw one in the last few years. But um, yeah, I love that car too, honestly. And I'm not, and I'm not a convertible guy, uh, you know, either or roaster guy either. So yeah. It's funny. I think I'm the only yeah. like convertible fan when it comes to force. <laughs> I like I like convertibles. I don't know why. And, and uh, I feel yeah. like it's messing with my hair all the time. I, I yeah. guess that's my first thing. You know, I, I remember trying to go to a dinner with a convertible, you know, <laughs> like somewhere like Pebble yeah. Beach or somewhere. <laughs> and by the time that I would get there, you know, I would have this, you know, uh, curly uh, haircut, you know, or whatever. It was just terrible. So I guess to me, that was the main, you know, yeah, thing. But I, I, I do I feel your pain, I right, said. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I hear you, Joe. I hear you, but I'm but I'm getting there too. I'm slowly starting to lose my hair too. So, yeah, I, I, I am too at a frighteningly young age. So um, I'm uh, I'm just don't kind have to of worry about that much. Trying to wear haircuts that hide it. So maybe the the convertible is probably a good idea. Just yeah, trash my hair. Yeah, up. I know summertime it's fine to have a nice you know um, you know open top. Honestly, it's, especially if you're if you're in a nice uh, you know place like maybe Spain, Portugal, or France, it's always nice to have yeah. Life. Oh, wouldn't, I mean, yeah, but ironically, yeah, you say about the winter and that's exactly what I thought when Tony said to me, he said, I was like, yeah, oh, wait a second, it's winter. <laughs> yeah, but, right. um, yeah. but then, I mean, I've, I've been on plenty of press trips in Spain, let's say with BMW and you're in an M8 cab and it's like, wait, and you have the roof off and it's 35 mm -hmm. degrees. 20 minutes later, you've got a headache, you're not feeling good, you're getting sunburned. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. actually end up putting the roof on, whereas the winter as long as it's not raining, you can rug up warm and mm -hmm. kind of control the environment. Mm -hmm. And, and it feels, I mean, it feels, it feels great. Um, yeah, I'm really, really impressed. But yeah, I as you say, has, with the, yeah. with the Supra, the Supra tie up there, you can feel that, um, it's a real bit of kit and you get the feeling that BMW probably have never broken much profit on that car. Um, because you just don't see enough of them about, but if anyone's listening and considering one, um, honestly, 
fantastic car and and i know when i went to the launch which was exactly three years ago um not just the m40i m40i is brilliant but the 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 20 and the 30i mm. so the b mm. b48s um the front end because there's much less engine and intercoolers and stuff there i remember jumping in those and thinking god the front end on them were better than the m40i and the whole car felt more agile but then you haven't got the brilliant b58 which is a big part i think open top motoring if you've got that exhaust note and the six pot to me that's a massive part of that car so it's it swings and roundabouts but the cheaper models uh, are really good too so yeah. yeah big up big up the z4 or the z4 as you guys call yeah it. i keep saying yeah, sorry we're, we're uh, I, I keep that's all right um <laughs> i actually you're right the, the small the little four-cylinder one's pretty good i actually spent about like two and a half weeks in different versions i had the m40i for a couple of days but until i realized that the press loaner they gave me had one completely bald rear tire and i was like i'm not nice gonna kill myself in this so I, can you put new tires on so they did a bmw took it back and they gave me a 30i model to drive for a week when they put the yeah. tires back on the m40 they gave it back so i had you know like two weeks you know driving them back to back and even those small four-cylinder ones really fun like you said it's lighter on the front end it just kind of feels a little easier to push hard you know you're not too scared of uh, spinning it it's 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 a fun little car whoever yeah like you said whoever's yeah. looking into them I don't know if I'd buy one over a Porsche Boxster. I'd be that'd be close, but um, it's yeah. Fun. But then I think over here you're looking at nearly nearly twice the money for a Boxster GTS. Really? Let's say the GTS, oh, GTS four liter. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, I guess if you're comparing like for like, because then the S is only a four pot, and uh, but I think they both offer. I, I said it in my first drive video that I think, although let's say with the AC Schnitzer kit etc., it's similar price. It's still less than a, than a GTS. They both offer very different cars. Like if I was in the Alps now, going for a flat out drive, I'd take the GTS every day of the week. But but the the, the Z4 is it's almost like a sports car slash GT car that has no roof. Right. Um, it's a very comfortable cruising. It's a bit of a brute, like you said. It's yeah. got all these little sort of and yeah. So it's it's a different it's a different proposition to right. a GTS. And I think I think that's again what makes it so good is. Uh, yeah, it's a slightly toned down GTS, but every bit is quick in a straight line, right. for sure. Yeah, and you nailed also the um, the experience with the four cylinder versus the six. I had the same experience in the new two series, and we kind of lead into that topic now. But um, I had the same uh, same experience when I drove the cars on the track once again, and uh, I feel like the um, the four cylinder was was such a pure car. It felt a lot more analog, not as digital as the uh, you know the B fifty eight engine. So yep. they're quite different, but I, I I don't think you can go wrong with a four-cylinder, either a two-series or a Z4 also, because that that engine is quite good, and even though you're not getting the same sound, um, you are getting a little bit of a different, or in some cases, maybe better driving experience. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It is. As you say, I had the same experience this time last year. I had a 420i long-termer. Um, I wanted initially, I was hoping to get an M440i, but I'd actually just jumped out of an M440i press car that I had for a few days into the 420i. And the first thing I noticed was the 420i had better steering and the front end felt better than the M440i, uh, which is just crazy when you think about it. But actually, it makes sense as well because the lack of weight, the lack of drivetrain in the front, etc. So, yeah, there's always that's that's a good thing, I think, if you can't let's say afford to go for the big one or the, or the big engine doesn't make sense in your uh in your world and what you use the car for 
you still get those brilliant di- driving dynamics and sometimes even better than the flagship models. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like the 230i, because um, I don't think the Z4 only sells us the M40i in the US, right, Nicole? No, well, actually, no, they do have the, the, the 30i, mm-hmm. right. So okay. I think both of them, the, Z, the, the Z4 and also the uh uh, the 230i coupe, I feel like they're ideal entry-level cars, basically, into the BMW brand. And I've said that in my video also. If you want to get into the BMW brand, you know, and, and, and kind of experience what the brand is all about, but you don't want to spend too much money, you don't have a lot of money to do that, I feel like those two cars, especially the 230i coupe, are ideal. I don't see any other car being sold here that will actually, uh, you know, fill that role. And, I mean, of course, their SUVs, they might be a little bit cheaper, but it's not a, you know purebred BMW, basically. Yeah. Um, the, the, you bring up an interesting point with the 230i. So we, a while back we had um, journalist Jason Camisa on, and he said something that I, I've stuck with me ever since. He said that BMW is a 2002 company, right? Like that's what they made their, you know, that's what BMW made uh, their name with, was the, the 2002 back, you know, in the 60s. And, yep. you know, that was a small four-cylinder uh, little coupe it wasn't very fast but it handled really well it was built you know really really well uh, it was comfortable and that's sort of what the 230i is to me you know it's kind of like um you know it, it's small it's you know honest it's just a little four-cylinder but it's still very fun it still gives you all the qualities that you want in a bmw um and it doesn't you know bmws aren't always about big performance they're not always about that so i kind of like the little small four-cylinder ones as well yeah, definitely. I'm yet to. I've only driven the M240i uh, of the of the new two series, um, but it's great to hear you both saying that the the, the 230. We're also going to get a 220i here, which I struggle to get my head around the 20i in the UK because the same with that 420i, because um, it's the, the 30i is is fractionally more expensive, like two and a half grand, and it's the same engine, but it's just a better tune. The 20i just feels very underpowered. You can feel you can feel it being cut off and strangled everywhere. Um, so yeah, so hopefully I'll get to try the 230i because I think that would be. Do you get that? You don't get that in a manual option, I suppose. Do you just just auto? Okay, yeah. that makes us Americans yeah. don't like manuals. America. Well, yeah. yeah what about America. the e? What about the e60 manual? Yeah, we did get that. That was a long time ago, though. That was a while. Yeah, that was a while back. Yeah, and an F10. F10 as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, the F10. We were yeah. actually the, the only yeah. market that had the F10 in the manual, I think. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. If I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's funny, though. I, I was just thinking this uh, literally a few hours ago. I just booked a press car um, for, like, late April. The new Cadillac CT5V Blackwing, which is a 670-horsepower oh. rear-wheel drive sedan made in America, and it comes with a manual. So I guess, like... So why don't we wow. get other manuals? We're making we're making one with a manual. Why can't we get some uh, some German manuals? So it's kind of it's, yeah. we're weird. We're weird here in America. We don't know what the no, hell. No, I mean we want. to trace back honestly, Nico. I feel like the it's not like the Americans don't like manuals. I feel like the the BMW M purists in the U.S. are the ones keeping the manuals alive in M cars. The take rate on the on the M3 and an M4 it's, uh, for manuals, it's the highest in the whole world in the U.S., basically. And that's kind of the only reason why the manuals are still around in some of the M cars. So basically, we do buy a lot more M car with manuals, just not the, the, the general population really doesn't drive a lot of manuals. Yeah. But the, 
the purists absolutely love it. So that's why um, it's not uncommon to see here quite a few M2s also with manual and all of that. Even when I was searching for a friend recently, he bought an M2 competition, and most of the cars that I saw out there, they were, they were with the six-speed manual, Yeah, um, which is quite interesting. I wonder what the take rate is on M performance cars. Like, if they were to offer a manual in the M240i or um, something like that, I wonder if it would sell well, because it's still yeah, kind of an enthusiast car, you know? Like, uh, it's still kind of one that... You know, car fans like to buy so i'm yep. curious about that that would be interesting but we but we don't get yeah. it we don't you know it's auto auto only here is it do you get a manual in uh the uk for any two series no and we don't uh, uh we, we don't even get the m3 or m4 in a manual option um, oh yeah that's so, right that's right yeah so uh we're and i i'm hearing to the in, the new m2 i'm i some people are telling me that we are going to get it in a manual option others others are telling me that we're not um so yeah we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see it was actually um it's quite a funny story um that's very bmw relevant i was in bmw m i was at the headquarters uh i think september october last year uh and i was having a look around and being shown some amazing stuff that i can't talk about uh and um anyway next thing i've been told that um marcus flash wanted to say hi so wander into his office and uh most amazing office and i'm i'm really shy and like oh my god starstruck and we're talking away but he was lovely and made me feel very at home straight away um anyway we'll talk about manuals and the love for manual and and uh and the fact that i'd had an m4 i had an m4 press car from germany and in manual and he was like oh why did you you know why did you ask for the manual specifically and i said oh well the uk market don't get it and he wasn't really fully aware of that and he was like oh okay i didn't know that he said that the m2 is coming manual and i'd been told at that point that the m2 definitely was only going to be an auto in the uk and uh so i was like no i've been told that the m2 the incoming m2 is going to be auto only and his face was just like Oh, and he, and he, he got his notepad out and he just writes a little note and he's like, right, that's my job for the rest of the week to make sure that the UK get him out. And it was like, I don't know if that was just him, like, you know, doing it for right. sort of shits and giggles. But he seemed pretty like, what? No, because they homologate these cars for, right. you know, like the current M3 and M4, I think because it's homologated for Australia, it's the same. So it's the same as the UK. So essentially it doesn't cost more to to send them to the uk it just you just have to have enough uptake for bmw uk to say right yeah it's worth it and and look the the previous generation the f80 and the f82 towards the end of their life cycle 2017 2018 19 that they weren't there was no uptake on manuals i think it was like two percent so i can understand from a business point of view unfortunately that it does make sense but i think it's so important that the, the the incoming M2 does come as a manual because it just means that yeah, it's not going to push those last manual hardcore customers over to Porsche mm-hmm. to you know to, to buy a Boxster or something. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and it make me happy personally. Right. So <laughs> well, also, um, you guys heard it here first. If they sell a manual in the UK, it's because of Joe Achilles. He <laughs> saved the manual yeah. in the UK. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think uh, I don't think people know how actually the ordering process works 
um, so it's all country based, right? So there is a, a product team in in every you know country or HQ in their country, yep. and all they do is look at the data basically, and that's how make decisions on which cars should come, which configuration, and all of that. So it's not like BMW M doesn't want to send the cars there. It's really just the local team that decides what would sell best, and that applies in the US also. So. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, absolutely. The M2 will definitely come with a manual. We've been writing about that for many years. I think we broke the news quite quite you, some time ago. Do you know ago. if it will be a manual in all markets or just you know? No, I mean, so they offer they offer they offer both options, right? So you you'll be based on the market, whatever whatever allocation they want to go for, right? So it's not like I'm pretty sure the the, the BNL M will offer you know a certain amount of allocation for manual versus auto. Probably the auto will be. You know, a higher um, higher allocation. So some countries might just say, "Wait, we want to get uh, more products." So in that case, we're going to order more uh, more automatic or all automatic. So it's just going to come down to basically the data, and they look at the data quite a lot when they make decisions. Especially at BMW M, they really use data quite a bit. I feel like Marcus, you know, also went with a little bit with instinct sometimes, especially when it comes to entry Turing and that. But overall, you know, that's their job to look at data and decide what cars to build and what not to build. And yeah, and you're right about Marcos. He's uh, such a great guy. We had a chat also in October. We went to Villa Deste and we had dinner and, uh, and um, yeah, we, we, t- we talked about manuals and all of that. And he's such a, you know, BMW enthusiast at heart really. And yeah, uh, great, great, great guy. Well, he's a proper, so I love MotoGP. Uh, ironically, I'm a car guy, but I, my favorite motorsport is MotoGP, so bikes. Nice. Um, and when I walked into his office, there was a really interesting-looking bike off to the left next to his desk. That um, was kind of like the main thing in his office. And so I'm looking at it, and and after we got talking, I was like, "What's what is that? Like, is it a, is it a, um, a, a super bike?" Or I said, "No, no, it's a MotoGP bike." And I was like, "What? MotoGP BMW? They, I always find the BMW relationship MotoGP." slightly odd in the sense that they sponsor it they're one of the main headline sponsors but they don't have any bikes on the grid anyway back in 2007 they entered two bikes but but right at at the start of the season they decided to pull the whole sort of program so the bikes were ready they'd been testing all the year before they produced these amazing bikes and then decided actually we're not going to enter it so there's two of them, one somewhere else and one when it was in his office. But these are like factory fresh, haven't turned a wheel, um, just sitting there. And I was like, oh, wow, that, that's wow. a piece of art. Like something that, that's, that's, that's real but actually never got used. I mean, but, yeah, it was really interesting talking to him about the bikes. And, um, yeah, it's, it, you can see he's just anything with a motor. It's, like all of us, we're all uh, yeah. Yeah, kids at heart and uh, get right. excited by by fast thing, fast loud things with motors right. on them. Yeah, I gotta talk to Martin at BMW M to see if we can do a story on that bike. <laughs> now I'm interested. Yeah, yeah, definitely you should. Yeah, yeah. Mark. When it's when is the when is the embargo expiring on the stuff that you saw? Uh <laughs> well, some... I want to know what you know because I know also. Yeah. So I'm to uh, well, some of it's expiring. You know various points throughout this year uh but okay. some of it is stuff that never unfortunately made it to production um and i really hope that one day somebody is able to to sort of show the world some of these things some of these machines um yeah. stuff that you know they do that yeah I think... they, they do that actually my my next trip to uh to munich 
completely on going back to their uh, secret garage. I, th- I think actually, you know, not not to brag, but we were the first ones to actually put a video out on the BMW secret garage. I don't know, like over 12, 13 years ago when there was no YouTube. Oh, really, wow. Where it barely just started. Yeah, and I remember filming with this, you know, crappy quality camera. And, and um, yeah, we were granted a, a tour of this secret garage where you can see all these prototypes that never really made it to production. Yep. And some of them were in the garage. Some of them were in some of the workshops. They were all over the place, honestly. Yeah. And um, that's that's what they do. They have a bunch of you know concept cars built out, and if they don't get approved, they just kind of save them and and store them. But it's not like a like a secret museum. It's really just a parking garage. Yeah, that yeah. was the crazy part. Like <laughs> literally a, a normal parking garage with terrible lighting yes. and all of that. Storage, Some of the cars yeah. are like parked. It's it's a storage unit, and they're parked so close to each other, you can't even get around them to kind of see them. So I still remember that experience. But it was. It's quite fascinating, honestly. You know. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to do that once again, but um, but I know I think this year, you know, um, uh, it will be quite exciting for him. There will be a lot of cool products, and I think some some big surprises also. So, uh, yeah, super super excited to see what they do. Yeah, definitely. No, it's going to be a good year for M, for yeah. sure. So we kind of sidetracked from M240i. So maybe you share what was your experience with the car, then I guess Nico can tell you more, and I can share mine as well. Yeah, so for me, it's a it's a real it's a it's a special model for me personally. I think that car because I kind of built my channel back in 2013 with my original M135i, and then there's the 235i, which really were standout models. I think those cars are going to get on this history in history, or at least BMW history, as as very good, affordable cars that that really sort of I don't know hit the UK anyway. Everyone had them um, as a real big sort of. Uh, uh trend to have them um so when obviously the new one series was launched three years ago whatever it was we all knew that it was on the mini platform we weren't going to be getting this six spot or you know b58 whatever it would have been so that was an instant disappointment for so many previous 135 owners or 140 owners etc uh so this 240 is a real uh anticipated car for me and i was i was really i had high hopes um and i was very excited about driving it um i went out to the munich uh media drive whenever it was october last year i think and like a lot of these launches you don't have the car i had it for like a few hours um and when you're trying to film it's you really get very little time behind the wheel um but from the time that i spent in the car i really i I really enjoyed it i mean if anything it's almost too capable. Uh, it, it, it does yeah. everything so well. Um, it's lightning fast. I think I timed it with my race box, but with rollout on. But I think I timed it at 3.8 to 62, which my M2 competition wouldn't dream of getting anywhere close to that because obviously the rear wheel drive and, um, and it just felt it felt fantastic. It felt like a little muscle car. Um, it, but as I say, it almost did or does everything too good. Um, it, it feels amazing. And to me, I was instantly thinking, wow, well, if this is the M240i, the M Lite, as it were, what's the M2 going to be like? Um, how capable is that car going to be? How good is it going to be? Um, but I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a great seller over here. They're about 50 odd thousand pounds. So a bit less than let's say the RS3, but then it's not a full M car, mm-hmm. but I think it offers every bit as much performance as the new RS3 um and yeah I, I i was impressed with it but i think it does lack um it just lacks a little bit obviously the sound in the uk 
that they're going to be really yeah. quiet, like very, very quiet, mm-hmm. like the German one I tried. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, people will put, probably put exhaust on him and do what they did with the previous generation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I was very impressed with it. Uh, but it, but yeah, like I said, it almost felt a bit too grown up. Whereas, like, let's go back to an M140i. That thing's a bit of a riot. It's a bit naughty. It will bite your head off if you're not careful. Whereas the two mm-hmm. the, the, the the X Drive 240 is just like a rocket ship, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, really impressive. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a great car. It's um, it feels to me, it feels like it's. Aside from the M cars, like the M, because I love the new M3 and the new M4, I think they're brilliant. But um, I think the M240i is the only like standard BMW that really feels like a proper BMW to me. I haven't actually driven the 230i yet, but um, that one feels like the M240i just it's the right size. You know, it's small. It has good, great visibility. I love you know in small BMWs this. I'm small, so the seating position works pretty well for me. I can imagine. I know you're quite tall. Both of you are quite tall, so it might you know not be great for you. But uh, for me, it worked. The seating position is great. You know, the windows are tall. You get great visibility. It's the right size. You could see over the, the hood. It just felt like such a real weapon, like such a real driver's car. I, I really I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to because I've heard so many things like, like you say it's so capable. It is so incredibly capable, and oftentimes that can remove a lot of the fun. You know, that can take away a lot of the engagement because it's doing so much underneath the surface for you. Um, but it didn't feel that way. And I'm sure it is doing all those things. I'm sure I'm not a, as good of a driver as I think I am. So uh, it, it's, you know, it is doing all those things, but it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel too artificial. And I really, really enjoyed that about it. So I, I agree. It's it's so capable, but at the same time, it's also really quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think uh, it feels like it's so close to the current M2 competition when it comes to the driving experience. I mean, it's not, you know, a full M car, but it's getting really, really close to that. So that leaves a gap for the next generation M2, basically a little bit wider. So I can expect that car to be a lot more fun to drive on the last port here. But, um, I mean, I had a lot of fun with the car. I mean, we do get the, um, uh, the US exhaust here. So it sounds really good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. It's also a really good daily driver. I mean, I yeah. haven't driven it, you know, like every day, but I, the, the chances that I've had to drive the car, it just felt like a like a really good daily driver. Basically, the comfort mode, it's spaced out, like with most new BMWs, it's spaced out so much from the Sport Plus or Sport. So if you want to use it like a daily driver, even, you know, throughout the city or, you know, terrible roads, uh, it's it's quite it's quite capable. I don't think most of us will ever get to experience its full capability unless you go on track, which I did go on track actually in Palm Springs. And, and I'm telling you, I mean, I was doing back-to-back uh, M5CS, M3, M4, uh, 230i, M240i. And out of all of them, I had the most fun in the M240i. I mean, the other cars were capable, but they were so much bigger. And I've always been a better driver on track with a smaller car. For some reason, I, I managed to control the power a lot better with that. Um, so I, I had I had so much fun. I think I still have footage I haven't put out out there because I was so focused on driving. I was trying to talk at the same time, and it's not easy. Uh, but um, yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not even yeah, close same, to Chris Harris. But, uh, it, it you know what? As a side note, it looks so easy when they mm-hmm. do it, but every time you try to go on track and do it and talk at the same time, you can. So the trick, you know, someone someone recently uh, told me actually, Matt. Um, met a Canadian guy, um, great guy. He said, you know, just go flat out for a couple of laps and then just go slow for the next two and pretend like you're going fast and just, you know, talk about the car. Yeah. 
because otherwise you're not going to be able to do it unless you're like a super pro. Yeah. So yeah, I'd have been um, dead a long time no. ago if I tried to talk while sliding on a track. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's. I mean, you you're not. I mean, you have you have a lot of room to uh, to like on those tracks. But the the problem is that if you're if you're um, following uh, the lead car and there is somebody else with you in that uh, in that formation, then you're going to slow them down. So that's the worst thing, right? Because you might have a really good you know journalist driver you know behind you, and then you're just slowing them down or in front of you, so then they have to wait for you. So that's kind of the main issue. So sometimes I'm waiting till there is nobody, so I can just go with the lead car and just do that. But yeah, so aside from that, yeah, honestly, fantastic car so much grip also from that x-drive system uh, it does feel a little bit heavier than the previous generation but to me it's a far more refined car the design doesn't bother me too much but when i saw the car the first time it didn't really bother me it was just different right i mean it's a it's a unique design and i'd rather have that design than to have a mini m4 for example right or something yeah. else and I, um, I think it really doesn't bother i think the me. design's going it's it's another one of those radical or not radical well it's kind of radical i guess because it's different it is great, um, yeah. and i'm already yeah. seeing people coming around to to liking it and you're i'm already seeing comments of people going oh actually i'm beginning to like or people that have seen it in real life just like when the m3 and m4 came out people that saw it in real life mm-hmm. were like oh actually it makes a lot more sense in in person and i think the same with the yeah. okay the rear end's questionable and i saw um, I saw I was there at the launch, and the designer was there, and we we're looking at his sketches. And the, ske- the sketches, that, yeah. the, like the rear end sketch that he's got, looks incredible. Uh, and, but it didn't quite translate to the real car. Um, there is a story behind that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I suppose. It- <laughs> so the initial design, and I think we've said it before, so it's not really news for uh, for some of us, but. Um, the initial design had the taillights, the typical L shape. So basically you had this, you know, uh, vertical yep. lines. And that was the one that was supposed to go into production. And you're absolutely right. The um, the sketches are amazing. They're your end, like so yeah. nice. But but I guess there were some decisions made somewhere within the design team at some point that they want to change that. So, but uh, that's kind of the backstory. But initially, I think that's what, that's what the original designer wanted to do, basically just have those, you know, uh, vertical... Um, taillights and it does look a lot better that way and also the shape was a little bit different so you you can see that but then again i mean always sketches look so much better than the old production car when it goes into uh, you know factory yeah, yeah but yeah but yeah i don't know it's not a i mean we we all like to complain about new designs but then at the same time if we see if we go back 10 years ago every time i was complaining that the you know f30 looks like a f10 5 series yeah. or like a f01 7 series whatever it was called and they don't like that they were you know kept saying that they're just like audi you know uh, having the same sausage different length right so now when they're different people don't want that so of course it's controversial but if you see the car in real life like you said and especially in thunder Night metallic as nico said you know in in his, in his video it just matches yeah. the car and it's and it's absolutely fine yeah, yeah it, it, i definitely started to like it a lot more in person i didn't love it when i saw it at first in pictures and then in person i oh. i still don't like absolutely love it but I, I i i like it enough like i would buy one actually if i could afford it like it's just they're they're cool looking little cars and in purple it's amazing like how do you not love a purple yes. car so yeah it's just great yeah but i think the only problem with the purple color i was talking to a friend of mine i can't mention his name because no one knows that he's getting he's ordered one but um good friend of mine uh and he's gone for the purple and i think the purple 
I call it the Long Beach Blue effect. You know, when the original M2 came out in 2016 yes. and everyone went yeah. Long Beach Blue. Don't get me wrong. It's an amazing color. But yeah. then it was like everything yeah. was Long Beach Blue. And I went black with my original M2. And I was so glad I did because. Yeah. That, yeah. But then yeah. now down the track, when I see or if I see an M like it, so an M2 competition, they hardly sold any Long Beach Blues in that in that model. So when you see one now, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Um, but it's but when yeah. in 2016 I was just like oh I don't want a long beach boot everyone's got one um, and I think it will be the same with the M240R by the end of let's say mm-hmm. or this time Probably. next next year everyone will be like oh I'm not going purple because <laughs> I've seen them everywhere um, but, Probably, but yeah, yeah it's a great it's a it's a great color isn't it it's a, and the cognac interior mm-hmm. I know but yeah someone that's gone for purple exterior cognac interior and it's like yeah that's <laughs> yeah that's bold. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the that's the point of mark of um, uh, launch car colors. Mm-hmm. Basically, I guess they they pick them so they won't be able to buy more of that color. I don't know how they choose those colors for the launch uh, products, but um, it's always interesting to see the choices. Yeah, the, the only problem with the M240i is it's not special enough of a car. So, like uh, the M2 uh, is probably smart to get in Long Beach blue, even if it's played out a little bit, because later down the line. If you want to buy used ones those will be the ones that'll be worth a lot because it's the desirable one yeah um but m240 i don't know if it's going to be the same because it's not like you know a proper m car it's not a super special car but you know i could see why people do go with the launch colors in special cars because it's the one that is in everyone's head so that in 10 15 years when they want to get one you know that's the one that has mm-hmm. the, the most value it's the most desirable one yeah but uh i don't, I don't know about the m240 i though <laughs> I don't think it's special enough. I think an all black M240i with the smoked taillights. I think it looks Ooh. fantastic. Some black wheels yeah. on it. They know it look yeah, really mean. Outlook, so, um, yeah. All black everything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so that was a great car. So uh Joe, I think we yeah, yeah. I don't know how much time you have, Joe, but um I was just gonna ask one more question if you if you uh have the time. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Um and uh, so I wanted to, we need to touch on some electric cars because I know you have some strong feelings on them. One second. These are, my, my <laughs> headphones have just stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the electricity yeah. from the Super Bowl <laughs> commercial. Yeah. I think you got, you got zapped by Zeus. <laughs> so uh, I have to ask you your thoughts on, because you, you drove the, uh, you, drew, you did drive the i4 M50, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. So I haven't yet, but Horatio has. So we can start a little discussion about that and your feelings about that. Um, and you know, kind of the future of BMW's electric performance cars and, you know, we can take it from there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of an old stubborn man, uh, that doesn't, doesn't <laughs> want to accept that the future is electric, you know, uh, I'm living in denial, I guess. So if you bear that in mind, um, I have got this slight negativity in my head whenever I touch an EV, it's always something. Uh, and I have to say, like the i4, I know it's based on the 3 Series platform, so it's not a, an all-electric car, and it's not built from the ground up. Um, and when you consider that uh, and everything else, I think it's it's actually a really impressive, it's a really impressive car. Um, and, and my video, I, I did a video on it, it's done a lot, 200,000 views or something now. Um, and the people that actually listen and watch that video whether they've got one in order or whether they're pro EV or whatever, if they've listened to it, they'll go, I put everything you say is honest and completely right. 
but people there's a lot of as we know like tesla sort of you know crazy um they're almost like oh, I, I, no. they're almost like from tribe they're almost like yeah i, I don't know they're cults or whatever and they don't hear yeah. anything oh, if, it's a cult. if they hear yeah. anything negative then they hate you mm. and your reviews wrong and you're full of rubbish and etc etc so you just get attacked but i think i know all too well my friend all too well yeah i'm sure you yeah i'm sure you do so i think when you when you i, I approached that car um thinking i wasn't gonna enjoy it um but actually i, I, I really enjoyed the car as a as a, a means of transport as an a to b it was comfortable it was familiar to me obviously it's got the new interior which on the whole, I really like. So I'm, this is going to be the interior we're going to see in the LCI 3 Series and 4 Series. And then on the whole, I like that wraparound screen. And I don't like the fact that they've got rid of the uh, climate control buttons and put them on a screen. They're not as bad as the ones that are in the Audi where you have to look down, but you still have to look at a screen. And as we all know, when you're driving along, especially on a UK road and you're bumping and the car's moving around, etc., it's really difficult to play with controls like that. I always think there should be some some controls that are, that are buttons. But again, I'm sure that the younger generation um, would prefer it all to be on one big screen like their phone. So, yeah, so uh, like cabin-wise, really liked it. The way it did things, it was great. You know, the way it got me from A to B was real, like, peaceful and quiet and no creaks. And, I mean, the technology, when you think the limited time they've had to to build these cars in almost a bit of a panic in some cases. Um, and considering that's on an ICE platform, I think they've done a fantastic job. The four series Grand Coupe, again, I don't think's the best. It's, it's very, the, the rear cabins, very cramped, very tight. The rear doors are like about that big. Like even Nico would have an issue trying <laughs> to get in there. But um, for, <laughs> for me, I'm just like, maybe I, I don't know how you get anyone in there, but then you've got the nice big boot and stuff. But, in terms of an absolute driver's tool, yeah, it's faster than a straight line. The M50i, it's it's really fast. It's 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 weirdly fast. I don't like the way EVs just you put your foot down and there's just no drama, it just goes. I don't like that personally because you can't feel that build of power and torque. It's just like go, and you can feel everything scrabbling for grip, and you're gone. And that wears off to me very quickly um, in any of the fast EVs. It's like, okay, well, I've done it three times now. I feel sick. So do my passengers. What else is there to the car? And there's not the, the real truth for me, as far as I'm concerned, there isn't much else to the car. It's, a, it's, a, it's I think, the i440, which I'm getting next week, the S-Drive, so the two-wheel driver. I think that will be a very good car because that's going to be quick enough. It's still going to have whatever power that's there immediately like all evs um it's it's a, a chunk cheaper and it's got a much bigger range and in my head at least if you're going for something like that at the moment while we're not while we still have combustion engine cars available if you're going for something like that then go for the car that go for the one that, that has a longer range um and and costs less money because the m50 i just can't i don't i can't get my head around that and it's the same with any of the ix6 m60 is it uh, what it, uh, that as well it's like the, surely the 50 the, the 50 is definitely quick enough mm -hmm. um but right. yeah, I, I don't know I, again uh, but i guess it's at, at the same time it's it's got a bmw m have still got to exist and i know that over the past few years the m lights 
uh, emerging into him. And it's all very confusing, especially some of the marketing and even the press. I know a number of journalists that went to our event and the, the little press release or the little um, the product people that talked to us on, on, on the screen, they made it very confusing with the i4 M50. They, they, they kind of labeled it as an M car, but it's not an M car. Um, and, and I think that's, that's another slight issue that I have that they're just dragging certain cars up to the end, but it's not an M car. It's an M performance car, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with an M performance car. As we talked about in many ways, an M240i is a much better daily than the M2 is going to be, you know, it's a, it's a more livable car, mm -hmm. but I think there's just a fine line between like, where does everything sit? Um, but yeah, anyway, I've gone off on a tangent. Um, I, 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 I'm impressed with it. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting car. And I think if I lived where I used to live, uh, or if I worked in London and I, and I, and I needed to go into the congestion zone to avoid paying 15 pounds a day, I would have an electric car, whether it'd be the i4 or something smaller. Um, and I think at the moment, again, in the UK, the majority of electric car owners are either company car uh, users because they pay basically nothing on their tax for the for the car. So having, like, let's say an i4 M50 would cost them less than half of a 330e, even like a hybrid, let alone an M3 that would just be like, you know, a thousand pounds a month more in tax. Yeah. So, so there's there's that reason for it uh, that most people own these you know lovely electric cars and the other reason is just avoiding things like if you're in london congestion charge you les all these even parking and stuff is a lot cheaper so they're really pushing it but that will slowly change um you know electricity is going up massively over the next 12 months here we, we, we all you know found out um that's going to continue to go up uh and then all of these like the government grants have been pulled so you don't get government grants on electric cars uh, the company car tax will have to start going up because someone's got to make money. So it'll be interesting over the next few years to see how everything transitions, because at the moment it makes a lot of sense to have an EV for many people financially. And that's what's pushing them in. But when that levels out, like it has in Australia, where they get they get charged um, in Australia, they get charged mileage tax on their EVs. So the minute they drive off in their EV, they're getting charged mileage tax. Because the government has obviously got to make money. So I think it would be an interesting few years to see what happens. But I really hope that um, by 2030, they not push it back because you can't now. But I, I hope that hybrids, I hope they have a bit more of an accepting uh, sort of view on hybrids and other vehicles. And, um, and depending on where you live or where you're using the car, I hope there's different scenarios and rules and regulations because... I wish they'd just focus on big cities like London and Manchester and stuff and try to electrify them and then slowly work their way out, you know, make it realistic. Because I think London full of electric cars would be awesome. Like it'd be lovely to go around. It'd be quieter. It'd be greener. There'd be less in it, like less immediate pollution. Um, you know, the pollution's mm -hmm, coming right. from somewhere else. But yeah, anyway, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> Sorry. No, you yeah. brought some good points, honestly, and I got a couple of thoughts, uh, unless Nico wants to jump no, in. No, no, I didn't drive the car, so I'd rather you... I mean, it's not even about the driving experience. I think what I wanted to touch on was really the um, 
uh, the i4 M50. So I feel like they use that car as a marketing tool, right? So they're trying to show that eventually the M brand will be electrified and will have a fully electric M car. So that's why you keep seeing that car being pushed, you know, to the front. They're just trying really to promote the M brand with electrification. So it's really just marketing, honestly, and everybody probably does it in their own field, trying to promote certain products and the messaging and all of that. Um, but I agree, the, the, uh, my choice would be also the i440, basically because of the additional range, um, and you're, you're not losing much. As far, I mean, performance-wise, yes, you're losing a little bit, but you won't really be able to tell the difference in normal driving, so that will be my choice too. But uh, um, the other point that I wanted to make was really that uh, the fact that we're thinking about this, you know, uh, extinction of combustion cars, basically, but it's not happening anytime soon. I don't even think it's going to happen by 2030 for most brands. Uh, they all talk about that, and even though they might push it, you're still going to be able to buy a combustion car in the next few years. So in my case, the way that I see it is if you have the means, if you have the money to afford two cars, and I feel like the, you know, if you look at, you know, market by market, it's different, but in the U.S., most people have two cars. I feel like you could always have a combustion engine car for the next 20, 30 years and still be quite reliable. Like, you know, my car, it's, you know, the 1M, it's you know, 12 years old and it's still fine. So you can, then you can have an electric car, basically. So it's not like you have to trade, you know, fun for electric cars. You can have two, you keep your car, you know, keep your M3 or 240i for the next 20 years and then, you know, drive an electric car. So that's, I'm not too concerned and I don't have this fear like, oh my God, you know, we're going to lose the driving experience. No, you can still buy even then, even in 10 years, you're going to be able to buy a used combustion engine car, right? And I don't know what the prices will be. I don't know how the market is going to go. They're going to go higher, going to go lower. Who knows? But bottom line is, you know, um, it's not a, it's not the end of the game for uh, for combustion cars. And then as far as the um, incentives, you're absolutely right. They will be phased out at some point because you're getting those incentives right now in order for the adoption rate to increase. That's why in, in Germany, when I go, I see a lot of uh, plug-in hybrids. I think we had a, a guest also to say the same thing. You see a lot of plug-in hybrids because they're so... Uh, they're so affordable after all the incentives. And um, in the U.S. market also, I mean, now Tesla, they faced, them, faced those incentives out, you know, last year or two years ago. Uh, I think the automakers will eventually hit that cap also, and you're not going to have that. So then the prices will be quite equal. So that will change for sure. Electricity, I don't know how that's going to affect. I mean, our grid in the U.S., it's not that great either. So that will be a, definitely a, a challenge for all the automakers. Yeah, nice. yeah, we're okay though yeah. in terms of grid, right? Be, in the U.S., because we have like, I mean, every I was just listening to a podcast with Chris Harris, and he was brought up a good point that the U.S. seems to be where the majority of not not the majority of EV EV sales, like percentage wise, but where the push for EVs seems to be the most. You know, you have Tesla, you have new companies like Lucid, GM, Ford. They're all pushing EVs really hard, and it's because our infrastructure has been set up pretty well. Like we have a lot of know tesla supercharger networks and electrify america network and you know we have all that stuff i can imagine that in the uk because from what i hear from you know other uk journalists that it, the the grid is difficult you know like the network isn't established yet so yeah i, I think you're right in terms of you know it's going to be a city car thing in a lot of european cities for a while you know electric cars and then outside of that you got to keep your gas engines and then hurry shows right at the same time you know internal combustion is going to last for so long yeah. so i mean it's good. I, I totally agree oh no continue no, no, no. i totally agree with what horatio was saying and, and I, I my only fear i think is uh like f running costs for these uh like fuel costs for instance we pay 
I paid one pound seventy a litre of of super <clears throat> unleaded the other day. So it cost wow. me nearly a hundred pounds. No, probably more, hundred and ten pounds to fill my M3 up. A hundred and ten pounds. Wow. So that's just fuel. And then you've got the rope. We get wow. road tax every twelve months. You've got to tax your car, and that's been going up like at, at an angle like that. Um, and and that's before you start throwing in like actual regulations and whatever else in order to keep these cars. Um, so it, I think they will live on, but I think sooner or later they'll become uh, toys for the rich and and probably only. You know, you could probably only use them on various track days and stuff. But like, like you said, I think the main thing is they're not. We're not going to get to twenty thirty and suddenly like boom, there's no combustion engine cars. Right. Um, yeah, it's not going to fall. No, yeah, right. let's yeah. let's hope not. Um, so that is a real concern, though, that the internal combustion engine might become a toy for the rich. Yeah, uh, that is. I've heard that you know that sentiment from a few people before that you know once EVs become a commonplace, fuel prices are going to you know go through the yep. roof and you know taxes are going to go crazy. Um, so that is, that's a that does you know scare a lot of a lot of people. Proper car enthusiasts. Yeah. I did a rate conversion right now as you you guys were chatting. So it's about one hundred and fifty dollars to uh, to fill up the tank yeah. on that M three. How many gallons? Twelve. Oh, I don't work in gallons, but liters. That's about fifty liters, I think. Yeah, fifty liters. Okay, yeah. so about twelve, about twelve, yeah. thirteen gallons. Then, so what's the what's the premium price, Nico? Right now, of course, uh, I haven't put I gas know. in. It's about in a four bucks, four dollars per gallon four by me. Okay, so we're paying. Why? So we're paying fifty dollars wow. versus one fifty to to fill yeah. up the car. Yeah, and that does so. get a bit. Yeah, and we're still complaining, and we're yeah, still complaining. Yeah, we still complain. complain. You gotta come we over here. The, you know what? Go get your M3 touring and bring it <laughs> and over. Fill it up. Yeah, that's and, that's my business yeah, plan. Right. So if I drive yeah. there, I'll save a right. hundred pounds yeah. on fuel, but it would cost me about five grand right. to get out there. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. It's, I think that's why some YouTubers come to the US and do these long road yeah, road right? trips. Yeah, so well, yeah. yeah. Tim seems to live out there. It's like his second home. Um, I'm very envious of, but it's just. This time yeah, of year, really, yeah. it's like God, he's always yeah. out there in the sunshine in Miami here. There, because of California. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, but yeah, nice. I just think, just yeah. I gotta get him on that. You need to, yeah, hundred percent. He would love to, and he's yeah. He's a proper, as you know, he's he's a knowledgeable guy about any brand, but especially he has got a soft spot for BMW. Although, actually, yeah, because you need to ask him about his M3. He's not really. He's kind of fallen out of love with that car, so. That'd be an interesting. That'd be an interesting topic. Really? Yeah. I gotta find um, but yeah, just going back to the EV thing quickly. Yeah. I think um, so. My other half, as as I think I've sure. mentioned before, she works for Audi UK, which is quite mm-hmm. ironic. Um, it's a bit like you, Nico. Obviously, you do stuff with Audi and BMW, <laughs> the dark side. Um, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. And yeah. Um, and yeah, and and so I think her next company car, she gets one every six months or so. Her next company car is looking like it's definitely going to be. Uh, an EV, if not the one after that. So let's say in the next 12 months, she's going to have an EV. And that's actually music to our ears and my ears as well, because I can't think of anything better than me having my fun, silly cars that, that you know, that cost 150 quid to fill up or whatever, a hundred pound plus, uh, but her car that we can use for our daily stuff, you know? And if we are going away to Wales for the weekend, then why would we not take the M3 anyway? So, so I think in that scenario, if if you've got the setup, um, and uh, then that yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, just the thought of having this electric car that either of us can use, 
and it costs essentially not much anyway. Um, she can charge it at work and whatever. Right. Then that's great. That's a brilliant setup. But obviously, I get that that's financially not possible for everyone. And if it is the one car, then it still kind of makes yeah. sense to have your one one petrol or, or you know diesel engine car if you can. Right. Yeah. Now, can you charge? Do you yeah. have access to charging at home? Uh, not very good here, but we're we're moving uh, we're moving into our sort of this. I, I'm actually at Lou's house. I've lived here for the last year because I moved out of mine about twelve months uh, twelve months ago. Uh, so we're, we're we're looking at getting our own sort of house, uh, which will consist of a garage and a driveway and stuff, and a setup that will be you know much mm-hmm. easier for an electric car because obviously that's the other thing, isn't it? It's it's, it's having the facilities to. You go into it London. Is. I was in London just before New Year's, uh, and I was walking around the streets where I sort of where I grew up, and and the setups you see, like you see cables coming out of like second floor windows, and <laughs> and then going across the pavement with no like no signage or anything, just Crazy. cable, and it's just like wow, look at wow. look at what. Yes, oh, yeah, I yeah. On your well, I was like, well, I if I know. tripped here and yes, broke my yes. neck. Like who who's responsible for that? You know, like and and it is like that in London. It's a real it's a real melee of of, of things going on um, because um, yeah, the charging network in London is pretty poor, um, especially when you factor in that London taxis are all now well not all but they're becoming electric. So there's a lot a large percentage I don't know maybe fifty percent of taxis that so any charging station has got a taxi on it. Um, because obviously they're driving all day long. So yeah. trying to find somewhere to charge up in London is actually a lot harder than it is in a in a place like where I live in a sort of, yeah, um, countryside or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right, man. This was a great chat as always. I feel like there was a lot more to talk about, but we can save that for the yeah. next time. I think there will be a lot more cars to drive till then. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't want to take up too much of your um, time today. We already took up a bunch, so I know it's a lot later, you know, yeah. there than it is here. So no, it's perfect timing. I, I, my my so, dinner's yeah. going to be ready in about eight minutes. So uh... <laughs> oh, perfect, oh, nice. All right, um, yeah. But no, as perfect. always, it's been absolutely awesome speaking to you both and uh, talking about my favorite subject, Same. BMWs. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be really. I can't wait for the day that we actually do all meet each other in real life and. Uh, We'll have nothing to I say. Know, we'll right? be like, yeah. I mean, hopefully you're coming. <laughs> hopefully you're coming to the U.S. soon, because I mean that might be an easy one for us to just fly wherever you are and do some stuff together. I don't know if you have anything planned in the future, but uh, let us know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you ever come to the U.S., I mean, I'm sure there will be there will be some stuff this year from BMW also. But maybe even if you come with other brands, we can always meet up and maybe get a couple of BMW cars, you know, press cars and do some stuff. I mean, yeah. there are so I'll, many I'll... things to do, honestly, and. Um, there's some amazing drives, uh, you know, just to just to end with this. I was watching yesterday a, a, a video of a, a, a Bronco. The new Bronco. And uh, they were driving through a canyon somewhere where basically it was so narrow that you have to, you know, uh, pull the mirrors in and all of that. And I was thinking, it would be kind of cool to have like an X7 or something to do that, you know, some big yeah. wheels, you know, and cool stuff. It was quite a, quite exciting. So that's something that we can you know, yeah, plan definitely. on next time. You that know, would make maybe. me a bit nervous with the fancy... Except, yeah. but, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the only. I mean, I guess the X5 could do it with the off-road package. I think about the X7 Still, more, I would be cringing the whole it's... time, worried about scratching the fancy yeah. thing. The Bronco, who cares? Yeah, I mean, it's meant yeah. to do that. But that would I that might would be have to wrap the car. Yeah. Cool. All right, Joe. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Yeah. 
uh, continue doing the good work. We appreciate the videos. Yeah. Always link it yeah, down. Yeah, you, so you guys good too. Stuff. And um, yeah, hopefully yeah. see you this year.